0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Commune Podcast. Today we'll be talking about combat in Skyward Sword. With me, I have Daniel. Hi, hi. And Greg. Yellow. Uh, Before we start talking about the game, how have you guys been doing? It's been a while since we've had a podcast like this. I've been doing alright. I got married. Yeah, what the hell? You didn't tell me about that.
1: Congratulations, welcome to the club.
2: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, you, uh... You're one of the few people of the internet who's had the pleasure of meeting my wife
1: <laughs>
0: yeah daniel how have you been
1: um yeah i've been I've been good um pretty busy with work but uh but uh, otherwise uh good I feel like I'm catching up on my writing and still you know playing some games so that's good
2: you have uh you you made some tweets about um books that are getting ready to be published.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, there's... I guess there's two. You know, one is uh, Adventures in Games Analysis, which is a, like, a zine, book a um, thing that I'm doing, uh, which I've been working on for ages. And, yeah, like, five years now. It's It's gone under so many revisions. Like, I was originally going to publish it back in 2014. It was ready to go. Um, ah. But I went back and pretty much did the whole thing again. Um, so there's that. And then there's a um, another book on arcade racing game design which i am almost i've almost finished it so there's only um a few chapters left and then yeah so i'm hoping to release those both at the end uh, at the start of next year
0: wow i I knew you've been digging deep into racing games but i didn't know you had a whole another book ready to go
1: yeah, it won't be like a very large book, probably just maybe about 100 pages or something like that. But, for, you know. for most people, that's
0: that's a lot. <laughs> How many other people write 100 pages talking about games? Well, 100
2: uh, publishable pages. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing. I think the quality of what I'm writing is a lot better than before. So I'm really, I mean, you know, like, what I wrote before was great, but I've... I think I've learned a lot over the last few years, and I'm really excited about sharing everything with you guys.
0: Nice. Awesome. Can't wait to read it. Alright, so now we get started with Skyward Sword's combat. Skyward Sword is very different from other... Zelda games so I think the first thing we need to get out of the way is you know just an overview of all the changes between Skyward Sword and prior 3D Zelda games.
2: So a lot like other 3D Zeldas you can lock onto enemies to uh, focus on one at a time. Um, You have a shield, you have a sword, and there are some items which may have secondary uh, properties for combat. The most well, so those are all the similarities. The major difference comes in uh, the inputs for your sword. Um, In prior Zeldas, you could get different kinds of sword slashes by performing certain combos or by uh, using your sword in different contexts. Um, For example, there are some dodge moves in Wind Waker where you like do a dance around the enemy. And then you can kind of manually trigger those in uh, Twilight Princess. And all that's uh, kind of... They took a different tack with Skyward Sword where um, you get nine different sword moves. Uh, in Yeah, nine different sword moves. Um, but they're all accessed through different motion gestures uh, rather than different contexts or setups. Um while standing still, depending on how you slash the uh or how you gesture the Wii Remote, Link will slash the sword in a different direction. Um so that's the biggest change that uh you have access to a wide variety of different sword slashes, uh just from the base context without having to go into any uh combos or setups.
1: Yeah, it's all very much based around the uh uh, the nine cardinal directions in which you can slash your sword, and they're all based around the um, around the uh, motion control gestures. Um, and I guess outside of uh, the sword and shield, you know, you, um, a number of the other um, uh, items that you can use, you know, like the bomb and the arrow, you know, they also include motion control as well. So the I guess the way you interface with the mechanics is also a little bit different. Just
2: an aside. Um... I thought it was kind of funny that uh, when Wii Sports came out, the, you know, all the games are great, but uh, the one everybody played was Wii Bowling, and then uh, you know, Wii Bowling found its way into Skyward Sword.
0: <laughs> Although, if you ask me, the one I played the most was Wii Boxing, <laughs> but that found its way into Arms. Anyway, some other changes. These are some of the more subtle ones, but uh, dashing. And Running Up Walls was implemented in Skyward Sword. Oh, yeah. And with that came the introduction of the stamina system, which, for the first time, you could not just spin the circle around and hit the button to do a quick spin. You had to swing both the Wii Roll and the Nunchuck, but at the cost of stamina. So you can't just spam quick spins like you could in other 3D Zeldas. Now uh, you're limited...
2: Well, another uh, 3D Zelda's wasn't there a cooldown or something or not <clears throat> or the charge first time?
0: Spin. Okay, in Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker, if you just held the button, let go, it would cost magic. Uh, in Twilight Princess, you know you would have to charge it, but at no cost of magic. But in all of them, you could always just spin the circle and push B, except Wind Waker. I think you had to spin it twice.
1: But yeah, I think there was a special attack in Wind Waker where, like, Link would uh, spin around like eight times or something, and then he'd be dizzy at the end.
0: Yeah, that's still the only one that you have to do by charging. But otherwise, the quick spin was featured in all of them. Skyward Sword is the first to not have it, and is also now the one that features stamina, which puts a limit on your most powerful attack. Uh, it also features the introduction of the you know, vertical spin attack, uh, as well as the skyward strike. So you now, regardless of health, have access to a sword beam so long as you're willing to charge it by pointing the sword straight up.
1: It's interesting um, because some of those new additions have their own um, committal to them. So the skyward beam, you have to actually um, raise the sword up for a short period of time um, and then with the, uh, you know, with the dash or the sprint, you know, there's a, um, there's an energy meter which is attached to that as well.
0: Yeah. It me- also makes it so that, uh, it's harder to run away from encounters. Another feature, an addition, oh, the Skyward Sword also gives you a way of being able to hit enemies that are still in the air. So, whereas in prior Zeldas... Uh if you didn't have a bow or any projectile weapon, you kind of would j- just have to wait for the keys to come to you so you could hit it <laughs> uh, when Sky or sword, you can just take them out in the air whenever you want. If you get that time to charge it and hit them out before they come close, you can do it so I thought that was cool
1: And just another small thing um with the um with the sprint and also the sprint if you sprint into a wall, you know you can uh a link wheel start to um hop up that wall. Um, it's generally not used in combat, but there are some situations, uh, such as when you're um, taking on the large moblins with the big shields. You can actually um, sprint towards their shield and then, like, jump up uh, over the top of them, which is uh, which is really neat. But generally, um, once you're in, like, once you're locked on, you uh, you don't have access to the um, sprint and other things. So I guess uh, I guess some of the new um, movement options with the sprint are. More so for um, perhaps smaller enemies, or um, when you're moving around and you're uh, when you're not locked on and you're not sort of committed into a one-on-one sword fight.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's right. It's it's worth noting if you want to um, if you want to go into a sprint out of attacking, then Link needs to put away his equipment, and if you want to swap. Um, cancel out of running into an attack, you either have to quit running and pull out your sword, or if you attack while running, he uh, goes into a jumping slash animation, which is quite a big commitment.
1: Yeah, that's a good point too.
0: Link goes into the the jump attack. Um, I guess guess actually that brings up the one thing that was a little uh, unfortunate, which is that Link cannot... The sword direction's do not matter when you do a jump attack. So you could stab it, you can swing it horizontally. He's always going to do that same, you know, vertical slice uh, when you do the dash attack. But, oh well. Well, I... Um, why does that bug you? Well, I mean, when the name of the game is look at all the ways you can swing your sword, and I, you find that one where it's like, oh wait, except here. You know, it kind of, kind of sucks. I kind of would have liked to have been able to you know, dash and swing horizontally, kind of like you can in Breath of the Wild, so you can just run into a crowd of enemies and just, <laughs> just smack them all away. I feel like
2: that's that's why I liked it, that it... um, Because you can't just run in and do whatever slash you want, you're kind of locked into a, a more clean setup.
0: Yeah, I can see that. So one of the dev- more subtle details... Uh, about Skyward Sword that's different is how they had to tune the camera. I guess I'm I guess now's my cue to start talking about that, but um it does impact the gameplay. Whereas in other Zeldas the camera doesn't actually move a whole lot, so you're free to literally go in front, besides and around the enemy, even turn it to sort of like a two D side scroller like in Zelda 2. In Skyward Sword it is Uh, more stuck behind your back so that you can get that clear view to see which angle you are holding your sword and swinging it. Uh, With that also comes, you know, that it's actually a little easier for enemies to sort of hit into your blind side or you actually have a bigger blind side behind Link whereas in the other 3D Zelda games uh, that blind side would not be there because Link would actually be more further into the camera uh, further away from the camera my bad than it is in skyward sword so you could see more of what's around him whereas in skyward sword like nope can't see you you cannot see much of what's behind you just as a practical example um
2: in sky keep there's uh an iteration of the four-armed skeleton boss Mm -hmm. and he's surrounded by zombie bokoblins Mm -hmm. um the zombie Bocoblins will, uh, like, distract your lock-on. So uh, I found in order to t- deal with the boss effectively, um, I had to avoid using lock-on, which um, which meant I had to take more care in how I maintained the camera. Because the camera's that thing that's going to help you, like... The thing that's going to give you the proper feedback for reading, okay, now he's holding his swords vertically, i got to do this. Um, if you're not locked on, then you're kind of free to walk around and uh, get into places where it's not super easy to read how the boss may be holding his equipment.
0: Yeah, that, that's a very good point to bring up. I think another detail with... Well, actually, uh, Greg brought it up about uh, being able to see the direction that the enemy swing again. in. Uh, one, well, it actually exists in prior Zelda games, but using the shield, well, actually, wait, the shield breaking is something totally new, but the shield to parry, uh, was something that was in Twilight Princess, you know, you could hit the R button to do a shield bash, which could have been used to parry. Um, you can't do a helm splitter. No, there's none of that, and you can't bash them in the face, but you can use it to stave off attacks while sustaining no shield damage.
2: And in a lot of contexts, um, like your standard Bokoblin, for instance, um, it offers like a a breadth of interplay where um, a Bokoblin holds his two knives up uh, and you can either read how he's holding it and slash so that he doesn't block you Or you can wait for him to attack, um, do a shield bash, and that acts as a parry. And from there, he's wide open, and you can attack him however you want. Um, Mm -hmm. So I found that often the game was designed so that I don't think you ever need to do the shield bash, but that um, it offers another option for how to interact with enemies.
0: Right. Uh, Even enemies like the centrobes, which I guess we can talk about later when we get to the enemies... They don't require it, but it is a lot harder and riskier when you have to reflect projectiles using your sword instead of the shield. So in addition to the shields breaking in this game, you also have wood and iron varieties. What did you what did you guys make of that change?
1: I don't know, I wasn't um so you can buy, you know, several varieties of the of the shield, you know, wooden and then you kind of, you know, find more um um, elemental items in the environment, and then you take them to um, uh, to a guy on Skyloft, and he will, you know, construct new shields that are stronger and you know, new swords that are better. Um, yeah, I I don't think that uh, I couldn't I can't think of many situations where the different types of uh, equipment really factored into the gameplay much in terms of the shape of the shield. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's. Uh, I think earlier on, there's a shield which is like impervious to fire or something like that. Whereas the wooden shield obviously gets burnt. So that's something I think early on you have to consider. But generally, um, once you get up to one of the stronger shields, um, I'm not sure which one it is, but uh, um, like I guess the second best shield. You know, once you get there, then you can kind of, kind of uh, forget about it.
2: I thought yeah. it was pretty lame that uh, <clears throat> I didn't have enough money for the steel shield early on, so I was walking into Fire Sanctuary with the wooden shield. I accidentally fall in the lava and now I don't have a shield. Like, that... <clears throat> just <laughs> The the punishment there seems a little steep. Um, and I was definitely happy when... Um, when I got to the uh, regenerating shield.
1: I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, I think... They probably needed like a hard um like a a bit of a hard lock there just to uh, communicate to players that the shields are important and they need to you know you get the right shield but i guess you know that doesn't actually play out later on in the game um in saying that though i do like the idea of your shields breaking and um and how you can be in the middle of a battle and your shield will break and then you have to improvise and you have to work around that weakness um mm-hmm. I think that's neat yeah, I quite like the implications of that.
0: Yeah. We all saw how that uh eventually led to the change that they made in Breath of the Wild from that instance. I think another another thing that having the shields break do is encourage not necessarily force but encourage players to parry more, which, you know, is much more interesting than you know, just not taking any damage if you don't do anything. As long as you're locked on
2: what's what I've found regarding that is um the parry so if you're going to time the parry incorrectly, it's generally a good idea to time it incorrectly early you can be like it looks like link is totally done parrying and then an enemy's attack bounces off um yeah and so by giving the shield health it's almost like if you parry so incredibly early that you miss the parry and the enemy attacks your shield straight on then your shield takes damage so it's kind of like um if you shield too late or if you parry too late you take damage if you parry too early your shield takes damage
0: mhm yeah the uh, i don't remember if i counted it correctly but i think there was like th- Thirty frames, or something like twenty frames of uh, of window for the parry to work.
2: Is that and is that almost a second?
0: That is almost a second, or two thirds of a second. I, I sometimes it's hard for me to tell because the animation, or in even the little particle effects, doesn't totally convey how long that thing actually is. But uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty big window. It's a much harsher arguably too harsh in breath of the wild I don't know if it's worth talking about the bird in this one just yet because I mean technically that is combat and there is a a boss that you go through with the bird do you want to talk about that as well
2: I guess it is maybe not worth discussing in detail but um there are lots of alternative modes of method or Jesus Christ <laughs> there are lots of alternative modes of ...walking around or movement in Skyward Sword. Link can operate the Flying Beetle... ...and the Flying Beetle controls are very similar to the Bird and the Swimming controls. Um, And the Swimming controls have their own, like, fights... ...where you can uh, knock into certain fish enemies. Um, The Bird, of course, can uh, fight other enemies on the overworld or that one boss... And um, even on top of that, you also have a crawling mode where you get centipede mini bosses, and so those modes aren't as uh, aren't as rich as the base combat. But it's worth noting that the game does have like a lot of variety in fighting.
0: There is actually one last move we did not talk about, but uh, it might be one of the most superfluous actions in Skyward Sword. Uh, that is, you can actually still roll in the game. Remember, yeah, is that rolling... only for interacting with trees? It, um... it, Yeah, you can hit the trees to knock bugs off of it. Uh, you really just soar right past the enemies when you do it. And rolling also costs stamina, in addition to having to dash to be able to access it. So, uh, rolling... Um, yeah, I... <laughs> was not a particularly useful in combat and doesn't actually interact with the enemy. So there's one, that was the one last thing that was changed on Skyward Sword is that you can only do it out of dashing and it also uses a bigger chunk of stamina, kind of like if you did a spin attack. Um, and in that case, uh, it's utility in combat was, you know, uh, much harder to utilize at all. Any? You guys have any thoughts on uh, the role in Skyward Sword and its implications on combat or anywhere else in uh, the game?
1: I don't think it really has much of a purpose in combat.
2: I would be curious, just uh, <clears throat> not for any practical reason, um, if how it impacts your hitbox and how you might use the modified hitbox to style off of enemies, if at all. But that's not really... Uh, that's true. Super interesting question.
0: Yeah, what would be tricky to pull off? Yeah, the next question. The next question is how do Skyward Sword's motion controls change the nature of boss battles? So not just the regular enemies, but the boss battles.
1: Yeah, I think, well, I guess one of the things with the combat system um, more more generally is that because it uses the motion controls, um, the, the sort of interactions that you have with enemies, are, I guess, are much more... Uh, are much more like sword fighting duels. And so a number of the bosses in the game, well, yeah, probably a good half of the bosses are um, just one-on-one sword fights. Um, and so, yeah. And so there's quite a few bosses like that. Um, the mini bosses at the start, Stalfos, Lizafoss, uh the pirate, Dreadfuse, uh Gurohim, I think, is his name. Uh, the yeah. on you know, the main um, um, villain in the game. You know, you have sword fights with him. So, uh, uh, how do you say that? Kola Koloktos uh, also has a little bit of that as well. So, um, yeah. So most, of the, so many of the boss battles are based around um, sort of uh, sword fighting gameplay, and that goes back. Uh, you know those battles draw on that sort of that core system of um the nine different striking angles um you know using your shield to block and and so on uh, and and reading your opponents and yeah. um, responding to their moves
0: mm-hmm. I also think the even regarding the more uh, item based bosses such as scaldera uh, I mean it could, it still works to, this similar to uh, what in a traditional 3D Zelda, where your bomb is thrown in an arc and you hit him. But the way how you have to hit his eye and his eye moves around his body, so you have to utilize the different strikes in order to continue hitting him. Uh, that's another example of how it's changed.
1: Yeah, that's right. There's like, it, are there's some bosses that are um, purely focused on the Cardinal on Direction um, sword fighting interplay, and then others that are sort of um, conventional Zelda bosses that have sort of, um, augmented in a a small way with the motion controls.
2: Yeah. I think the the best balance comes out in the, uh, the Scorpion boss, uh, Mm -hmm. where, um, he has these two pincers that rotate and, um, create, basically, uh, blocks where you can't, um, how do I phrase this? Um, Basically, he orients his claws to block his weak spot. Um, And so he'll turn his claws every now and then, and you'll have to read and swing your sword appropriately. Um, But he also has phases where he burrows underground, and you have to blow him out using the gust bellows. So uh, I thought that was a a great balance where um, he's moving through this dynamic, messy sand pit, and I have to... uh, Blow him out using the gust bellows, and then he swaps into this mode where now I'm reading how his claws are blocking his weak spot, and I play into this normal um, cardinal direction sword interplay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, now that you bring that up, Caloctus uh, is kind of the same way. Where during his first phase, you know, actually both phases, he has your interaction where you use your whip to rip off his arms. And then it goes back into sword fight mode where you take one of his swords and hack away at him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then even in that battle, um, he can, with his um, I guess uh, his projectile attacks, uh, they can um, knock out some of the uh, pillars um, within the arena. So I think within um, Mulderac with its... Mulderac is uh, the scorpion boss. With Mulderac and its and it's sort of dynamic dust, and with uh, and it's the fact that you can pull up its arms and use it against them, and you can damage the environment. You know, these bosses have um, of new dynamic elements that um, uh, that fit in uh, alongside the uh, motion controls, and they work um, and they help make the uh, boss battles more uh, dynamic, and engaging, and uh, interesting overall. Mm-hmm. I think oh and then there's also the one on the on the flying whales back as well and that's I guess that's not um it's uh, it doesn't have a dynamic element but there's sort of a like an aerial pursuit followed by a conventional boss battle which is is kind of nice how they've added in like you know the phases and the fact that you're attacking um on the back of a giant creature which is which is neat as well it yeah, o-
2: honestly, um, uh, sorry, <laughs> it honestly reminded me of a, um, in, sh- in uh, space shooters, there's the trope of a battleship level where um, the entire level is just you flying the ship around um, one singular boss and then the quote unquote boss fight is actually you just blowing up a portion of the battleship. And that's uh, kind of
0: what you do with Levi's there. Another interesting thing about the Lavice boss was that it's uh it got you to more deliberately uh aim your sword to reflect in uh you know left and right to actually hit his ears before you hit his head and he would even try to weave his head in order to avoid which direction you would reflect the projectile back at him. I thought that was cool. It's tennis.
1: It's almost like Wii tennis.
0: <laughs> it is
1: the uh i think um, so Scaldiera, which is that um, uh, in the fire sanctuary, the volcanic rock boss um, Tentalus, which is the boss with, uh, with with a very simple design which has uh, the the tentacles in its hair and the imprisoned um, these three bosses they don't really make use of the motion controls very much, uh, and they really could have been in any other zelda actually i think Tentulous in particular um just having it on the uh, on the pirate ship it kind of reminds me of uh, the final boss battle in um in uh, phantom hourglass as well so yeah actually but yeah they don't really make use of the motion control so i guess there's sort of a variety there there's um there's you know there's boss battles that are purely focused on that motion control. Uh, you know, sword fighting interplay, there's those which are, which don't use any motion controls or don't use very much, um, and they are more like traditional Zeldas, and then there's ones where they, they use motion controls and they sort of um, augment the existing gameplay and make it sort of, make what would be in a prior Zelda game a bit more interesting and engaging.
0: I just want to clarify one thing. Uh, Scaldera, earlier when I said the part where you start knocking off you know, pieces of those rocks on him, and his eye starts moving around more and more. Uh, that's when the motion controls uh, really come into play.
1: Uh, on um, Caloctus, which is the um, I don't know what kind of creature you'd say. It looks like a kettle. <laughs> it looks like a golden <laughs> kettle. Um, I, I remember when I was first... Um, fighting this boss but i found it really tricky because i would you know i'd use my whip and the whip wouldn't actually uh attach to his to his arms i have to pull them off and i couldn't figure it out and then eventually i figured out that the area around the um, other grapple points you know where you grapple onto it um they have like some kind of protruding element which when you flick your, when you flick on the whip, you have to flick it in a certain way so that it moves through sort of 3D space around those protrusions. Yeah. Um, and there's another instance in the game where there's um, where it's like that too. Um, on, so I'm thinking of in Federation Force in that uh, <laughs> is the boss battle with the giant uh, echidna-looking creature in the open area where there's... A similar thing going on where there's protrusions that um um, that you have to uh, lead your shots around it's the same kind of thing here um and i thought it was really cool and after that boss battle i really started focusing on how i was angling on the whip and how its trajectory would move in 3d space and how it's so like it's such a small um bit of nuance but um it's really clever how it plays into um sort of higher level gameplay you could say
0: one remaining comment that I had about the boss was uh the well actually your your third question was about the imprisoned fight, so I might as well get to it now. Mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. the directional sword swing because he has you know his his little three toes, uh it definitely emphasizes more those horizontal strikes, but also because the way he is stepping, you have to typically backflip over or even jump forward without doing a jump attack sometimes to not have those waves hit you while still hitting uh, his remaining toes that's another one where the the having more control over how you aim the swing of your sword uh, affects combat whereas in other zeldos it might be a little more tricky just because I mean you still do have that directional swinging but it requires uh, you inputting uh, the control stick in the direction you want to swing and then hitting the button in order to do it.
1: Uh, You said something about uh, jumping over the shockwaves or something like that?
0: Yep. Uh, What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, technically you can jump in this game. If you lock onto something, push forward, tap A, that's a jump.
1: So you can actually um, use that, move to jump over the shockwaves that he makes. Uh, on the third time that you encounter um, him, he will, uh, when he steps, he will put out the shockwaves. And so you're saying that you can actually use that, that jumping slash technique to jump over the shockwaves and not be hit by them. That's right. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Jeez, <I> <laughs> it, seems that like... before.
2: it seems like it would be easier
0: just to use the dodge jump, right? Uh, these... I don't know if the side hop takes you high enough off the ground. Uh the backflip definitely does. But yeah. But then
1: you'd be backflipping Yeah. Sort of into yeah. Uh into the shockwave which is moving out, yeah.
2: That boss in general was a, an exercise in frustration where it didn't click with me. I didn't know what to do.
1: I, it is... I think it's probably the worst part of the game, um to be honest. <laughs> and I suppose yeah, you know, that frustration that you mentioned, Greg, was kind of perpetuated by you know, uh, by the fact that I did a I want to say a three heart run, but actually in Skyward Sword, I think you start with like six hearts, but I didn't yeah. get any heart pieces or any full hearts till the end of the game. And I I especially the third form um, of of the imprisoned uh, I thought was uh, harder than the final boss battle.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, uh,
1: and it was just super frustrating.
2: Can you use the arrows on his toes? Yeah, that might be the way yeah, to do it. But
1: but it's kind of um, it's a bit slow and ineffective. I think that like it's yeah it's you can get a lot more done if you're up close and just spamming your um, spamming your sword strikes. But yeah, and the problem I found is uh, so it's hard to move around him um, because you know, his footsteps emit these uh, you know these shock waves. And so the timing that you actually have between his footsteps is is not great. So, uh, well, I guess there's two things here. Like there's, he's putting one foot in front of the other. And so therefore, uh, but his steps aren't that far apart. So when you're moving towards one foot, the shockwaves of the other foot are still, you know, like you have to work around them. And so, and then because He's uh, in his third form. He walks faster than in his other forms. It means that after he's put his foot down, and the sh- uh, and the shockwave is cleared, he, he's already basically ready um to take the next step. And so you have a very limited window of time in which you can uh, rush in and attack. And so it's a really tight window. And at the same time, you've got this, you know, he's a giant boss, and so his legs sometimes obscure the action. And then you can really only approach it from, um, you know, from sort of 180 under degrees because he's walking along sort of a parallel with the edge of this circular um, environment or the circular staircase. And so, it, and so you can really only approach it from the, from the left-hand side, because if you approach it from the right and then something bad happens, you can get knocked back and then you'll fall down. Um, to the falls below, which pretty much, for the third, uh, for the third uh, time that you take him on, means that you're pretty like you should just give up. And so, um, so the timing window is strict. The area that you have to approach him is really strict, and the camera. Um, and the camera isn't well. It's not that the camera is bad. It's just that because of the fact that it's a giant boss, it often obscures on the camera and so yeah it's uh it's very it's a very strict boss and there's a lot of annoying elements in there and that makes it quite frustrating
2: also that it's timed
1: so like like the only reason i know like all those details that i just said is because <laughs> i tried so i spent ages doing it and i failed like several times i'm like Argh! so I i thought i'd note down all of the things that made me angry <laughs> Whereas, like on the final boss battle, it's like as soon as I learned what to do, like I like I beat him. That's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was uh try harding it on the final boss because you know I still I still had low hearts and uh, I wanted to beat him really fast because I got super excited when I found out that uh you could just parry him twice and then uh hit him a bunch afterwards. Is that how that works? If you parry him twice without hitting him? Oh, no, the reason you have to parry him twice is because, unlike other enemies, he does not stagger when you parry him. So he attacks, you parry the first one, but he's still going, so he just attacks again if you're still too close, and if you parry that second one, he's open, so then I just, you know, slash away at him. Is this first
2: or second demise? Uh, First. In first demise, he's definitely open after the first. Like, you can... If you parry... You have enough time to hit him once and then he staggers. But then if you... uh, You have enough time exactly for one sword strike and then your second one he's going to block. What I couldn't figure out was uh, exactly when he goes into the lumped over state.
0: Oh, Oh, um... I don't know how many hits you do to get him into the lumped over state. But I do know that in the first time he went to attack me when i saw him doing that second attack i'm like oh no i gotta parry this one too because i thought it was too soon to attack i think uh, another finer detail in skyward sword is how you can well actually this may not be true it could just be that the sword is that fast because i believe this is the fastest in the 3d zeldas that link can swing his sword but what i assumed is that you can actually parry cancel a sword slash into a parry I might have checked that, or it's just that link swings his sword so fast that uh I still have time to parry after hitting demise while just as he's about to hit me. I'd be curious,
1: yeah, I've
2: definitely noticed during demise the windows were small enough that uh <clears throat> I think uh you know I was trying it the opposite way. I think if you do a parry and then a sword slash during the parry animation, it like buffers the sword slash and just does it when the parry's over.
0: Oh, that's... Okay, yeah. It probably does. Or, actually, I don't know.
2: It's hard to tell because, obviously, the sword strike is on the negative edge of you swaying around the remote, so... uh,
0: It's hard to know for sure. I think uh, one of the coolest things in that fight was being able to do a lightning skyward strike, and then uh, collide it with his own skyward strike. That was... Super cool
2: I forgot about that I had to <clears throat> I was working on Demise uh, Right up to This chat And uh, I I beat Skyward Sword when it came out But uh, I just couldn't remember How to kill that final boss So <laughs> I, I looked it up And did a facepalm You just fight him <laughs> <laughs> Does it, Well it seemed like he wasn't taking damage In second Demise
0: Oh right, right yeah. Because in the second form, you have to do your epic finish. Yeah, and man, it was it's epic. <laughs> he got back up <laughs> twice before he would finally stay down long enough for me to kill him.
1: Oh, so I actually can't uh, remember that much about um, demise, because I spent more time on the, um, the not the Gyrish battle, but the one before that, um, which is against the swarm of moblins, which seems um to be a very uncharacteristic Zelda boss battle.
0: Yeah, it was actually given a name. I think it's just called the Horde. Yeah. Uh,
2: well the wiki calls it Horde Battle.
0: Okay. Yeah. All I know is that it's in it's I believe it is in the boss rush you do with the It is, yeah, it is. So it's like, oh I considered it a boss which is cool because that's like one of my favorite uh, action set pieces in the game was just like yeah, just fight them all.
1: <laughs> See what I found interesting about it was that um, the way that they layered the different enemies together. Mm-hmm. So in particular, they had like the uh, the regular moblins, and then they had um, they had the uh, archers who would sort of come in from the sides, and so you had that interesting like. of like a mosh pit with these sort of snipers just outside that you have to keep an eye on but then you but then later on they'd also have like the moblins who uh who toss bombs as well and so that was like a lot of fun too and um but i think just the pure number and the and the effect on the uh on the game's performance like the frame rate um really was quite uncharacteristic of nintendo oh
0: I didn't realize any frame I guess I just didn't allow enough of them to be on screen for that to happen cuz I would yeah. always just kill anything that came at me. Uh,
2: <laughs> for me I assumed they would spawn infinitely so uh whenever I could I would just chain the um stamina berries until I got to a wall so I never really noticed any frame rate hiccups either.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I cuz they they sort of do that um like darkness, so you can't actually see that far ahead, which is one thing one thing I notice, and probably how they loaded in so many enemies because they're not actually loading in you know all the ones that come at you, they're only loading them in as they need to within a set distance the other mm. so the other thing interesting thing about that is they introduce uh the bomb one. I think they changed the behavior of the one that blows a horn, because it actually, like, when it's blowing a horn, it starts running away from you, which normally they don't do that. Whenever they blow the horn, they usually just stand there and don't move. Uh, For whatever reason, they changed it in that one, so they're actually running away from you. It's like, whoa, that's different. And I think they do call in more enemies, so I also assumed it was infinitely spawning until you get to the end, because it sure felt that way. They also layer in the the moblins, the stalfos, the archers, and then they completely change the behavior of the blue Blocobin. You guys saw that, right? Uh, so his role in that fight
2: is to run behind the wall, and then you need to like coax him out, right? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I I don't know if it's to run behind the wall, but um, he does run away from you. Cause, mm. so his what his behavior is. Uh, Normally a blue Bokoblin is exactly the same as a red Bokoblin, it just takes 5 hits instead of 3. But in this fight, the blue Bokoblin will run away from you, and it can outrun you even when you're dashing at it, so it's actually really hard to hit. And once it gets a certain distance away, it'll then do this sort of like uh, dash slice. Like, it'll just like lunge at you and then slice at you.
1: Oh, it's sort of like it's got the—is uh, it, is it the Pegasus boot or? <laughs> Am yeah. I right in saying that? Is that—is that what you're talking about, Adrian?
0: It's not—it's not like the Pegasus boot because the Pegasus boot—he he just holds the sword out forward and just runs with it like he's jousting. Uh, but in this one, he—he's more like demise. Demise does the exact same thing. He like sort of like floats at you and then swings once he gets near you.
1: Okay. Sure. Sure. <laughs>
0: so he's he's more like that. So for whatever reason, they gave him a uh, a homing dash attack, which is not at all how those enemies normally behave. And it was it was actually kind of interesting having that more indirect enemy. It was definitely hard to read
2: that going on, while also having a million bacoblins on top of you.
0: Yeah, and because this is um skyward sword, uh, they don't. Play nice, just because they're not on the camera doesn't mean he's not gonna hit you when you're not looking at him. <laughs> so you gotta make him a priority. Yeah, I guess this naturally transitions into uh Skyward Swords combat and its effect on the enemies. So yeah, let's let's talk about our favorite enemies.
1: Sure. Well we're actually just on that more generally though, I think um, you know, we we're talking before about the 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 uh cardinal direction attacks and I mean it's not that you know Link can only attack in one of nine directions, he can actually, you know, move his sword well you can move your sword as you wish. Uh, mostly but um it's that the enemies are all designed around that uh, around those nine directions which sort of makes um in- interfacing with them very uh, clean but yeah. i think at the same time it also um just that core combat uh like the sword play focus comp- um, combat with the shield um, the shield, the shield bash, the sword, the different swipes, uh, being able to side hop and you know, jump backwards. I think that um, by the end of the game, um, it, it, well, I guess especially in the last part of the game, it kind of, personally, I found that it, it sort of uh, got a bit tiresome. Um, and really the only direction in which they can take um, I guess there's really only two directions which the uh, which they talk to expand that core um, sword fighting gameplay. One is to have um, enemies like uh, well Girahim, like the Stalfos, the Lizardfoss, and the pirates, which become increasingly difficult over the the different um, iterations. So those enemies, they all um, their their ability to um, respond to you. And fight back becomes stronger over time and so the back and forth becomes more exciting um and uh, over the course of the game so that's one way that they expand it uh, expand that core sword fighting um, gameplay the other way is that with the other enemies they just sort of layer them together where you have to do multiple strikes in different ways to defeat the enemies so there's a really good example with the uh, bemos which is like the uh, like the totem pole uh with the th- with the three structures on it um so it's like a totem pole with an eye at the top and when the eye sees you it'll fire its beam at you and then you use your sword bash technique to deflect on the beam which stuns it then you can run over and you can uh, horizontally slash out the bottom two layers and then you can do a forward strike to uh, straight into the eye, and so that's an enemy which has more so layers to it. Uh, more, um, uh, it's a connected series of interactions, and so really, it's sort of those two under directions that it can develop that core gameplay: either um, making the interactions connected in a series, or having uh, stricter, uh, more responsive enemies. Um, that can you know, block and shield you, and and so on.
0: Yeah, this this was actually one of my later questions, but um, there was this like as I got towards the end of the game, like Skyward Sword definitely mm. seemed to either have been, uh, it was getting stale. Um, I mean, the game had enough forward momentum for me to finish the game and be like, yeah, that was great, but I could already see before that point where it's like these areas aren't quite hitting as hard as it was when I first began the game and it was because they were using a lot of it. Like, I, like, I put in the link to show you all the enemies in the game, but you realize by the time you get to... Uh, I would say less than two-thirds. You've already seen all these enemies. And mm, the new yeah. ones that they do introduce, um, they're more specific, like Moldorms. Those are enemies that are uniquely underground.
2: The Metal Shield Moblin.
0: Yeah, Metal Shield Moblin, which means you can't cut his shield, but you know you still have the ability to uh, run up the shield and attack him.
1: Especially the Moblins. I think there's too many Moblins. And, um... um uh, I mean... Uh, I think the range is yeah is fine. Like the different types is great. Um, but I think that they just put too many of them in the game.
0: Yeah, that's and you know it's also kind of my same criticism with Breath of Wild. Although it's it, uh, Breath of Wild is much more dynamic, but you know you still get that feeling there of um. You you fight a lot of the same enemy and the different having different colors is not enough to really distinguish them there are a few differences in the behavior between red bokeh blends and blue bokeh blends, namely that did you know the blue bokeh bin has a jump attack
2: no cuz he always just died too soon
0: yeah <laughs> I, and this, this is <laughs> yeah cuz it takes him a long time to do it and he's so vulnerable that it's like you should have been doing that a little bit farther away. In, f- in fact, it makes me wonder, why didn't that one you use in the horde, why wasn't that just the way it was from the start? Because it, I, I guess what I'm realizing now is that the new enemies that you see, which are the bomb-throwing bokoblins and the uh, the blue bokoblin that, you know, tends to keep its distance from you and waits to strike, it's like those are behaviors that probably should have happened way earlier in the game.
1: I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because it's like about halfway through or from thereabouts, it starts getting stale. And then you get to this, like, uh, to the horde battle, and you're like, oh, wow, there's these new, um, um, and moblins that I hadn't seen before, and now I will, and now I've almost finished the game. Like, where were they before? Yeah. Um, and they, I think, you know, they could have easily fit in, in some of, like, in some of the open environments, for example. You know, they would have, did well. But.
0: Yeah, I, I agree as well. They they would have been such a nice fit because cause, cause this is it's actually another one of my issues with um sky it especially hurts when you go back and forth when I when I now that I've gone to Breath of the Wild and went back to Skyward Sword is the number of enemies in the overworld sometimes is a little small as in they're not grouped up as much, which is weird because they specifically do that thing where they blow a horn and call other enemies to them. Uh, but Wait,
1: sometimes. Are you are talking about Breath of the Wild has too few enemies on the overworld? Or no, no, no. Skyward, no. Sword?
0: Uh, Skyward Sword. Okay, yep. Because, uh, I mean, Breath of the Wild, you go to one of those camps, there's like 11 of those bastards in there. <laughs> Whereas uh, in Skyward Sword, you are hard pressed to find five of them together, or even four.
1: But I think in Skyward Sword, they're hard. Like, they take more of a time investment to kill, because you. You actually have to face them, you know, one by one, so.
0: Yeah. I think this also leads to another difference, which which is that that becomes less and less so the case because you get those sword upgrades. So you eventually start killing them in, like, one or two hits, and then the Mm, blue bokoblins actually start taking three hits, so they literally transform into the red bokoblin just with a different color. And the red bell goblins basically just become this, uh, you know, super weak enemy. And I think the green ones take. Oh, shoot, I don't remember the numbers now.
1: But yeah, and the way it unfolds is that it actually. Uh, the amount of time you have to. Um, well, I guess the number of hits or the amount. Uh, the investment that you have to spend with each enemy doesn't. I mean, uh, it doesn't really change. There's just newer enemies with more colors or in different colours, but that but you still have to spend a bit of time engaging with them, and that the types of interactions that you can have with those enemies don't change, and they're so frequent.
2: There's, um, I guess one thing to, to qualify that, though, um, would be the Song of Hero quests, where, um, those all, well you might debate how worthwhile the variation is there, but they all give a different context for interacting with the enemies where um, in Farron Woods uh, well actually I think in Farron Woods you don't have any enemies. Um, You only have the uh, fish enemies with the giant foreheads um, which aren't I mean, those aren't very notable in any sense, because you just attack them twice, and I, um, I think their only attack is to rush you. Yeah. So it's kind of just whoever attacks first wins.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, but in Elden Volcano, that's a quote-unquote stealth section, or just a section where you have to avoid enemies. Um, <clears throat> so you're not fighting them there too much, either. And in Leneru Desert, it's a bit of an auto scrolling segment where um a time shift stone is attached to a mine cart and you have to um you have to follow the mine cart which means staying within proximity of the time shift stone which will um in turn uh revive and kill enemies
0: they keep a uh... That last one you mentioned, where they still keep like recontextualizing the enemies, uh, and even in the horde, it's like the whole set piece of you're fighting a ton of them now. You're fighting them in greater numbers that have ever occurred in the game. Even that's still new. I guess I, I, I in as far as the, because even now I'm only like retroactively realizing this, uh, now that Daniel's brought it up. But you do notice throughout the game that you fight a lot of those red blints, basically. Oh yeah. And sure, you can say that. Um, you know, it's your it's your basic enemy, the basic enemy. It's it's like complaining about oh, there's too many Koopas in Mars Like, it's not much of a it's not much of a criticism. But I do agree with the sentiment that um the variation among the enemies and among combat. I think that's the one where it's like, yeah, that that's the one that um I'm more inclined to uh, to agree with. I
2: remember uh, Jonathan did a pretty detailed review of the um, the second Elden Volcano dungeon. I think it's the uh, Fire Sanctuary. Um, and he talked about how uh, so many enemy setups within the dungeon were just identical. And I think that's one thing that hurts Skyward Sword is that um, because the enemies are so dedicated and focused, like Daniel said, um, and because the amount of enemies is not that high... Um, the game just throws the same setup at you over and over.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just. You know, I, I don't. I think it's just virtue of the fact that of the um, uh, the inherent nature of a one-on-one sword fighting duel for which many of the um, uh, enemy encounters in Skyward Sword are. You know, by virtue of having that, you can't easily inject a lot of dynamic elements. Or layering of enemies, because it, in sword fighting dual, it's one on one, and any of the other enemies that are around you are simply are um, simply distractions, and you'd have to sort of shift between them, which isn't, which may or may not be good for the game's uh, clarity and communication. I think it's, it's, just by virtue of it being focused on one on one sword fighting, the design space doesn't have a lot of um, areas in which to expand or elements that can layer. Um, they can lay in with it um, and so it's just the nature of the beast really um, it's just by choosing to go down that route you know that's just the implication of that kind of design hmm. although um, that there are still some sort of dynamic elements like this, like the time shift stone thing is potentially one of those but I don't think that the sort of the more layered counterpoint style of enemy design really happens in Skyward Sword. I think that's a, from what I understand, that's more of a Breath of the Wild thing where you've got sort of open setups, you've got very dynamic interconnected elements. Um, And so that's more of a a Breath of the Wild thing.
2: I think by and large, Daniel, you're right. Um, And uh, more the exception to prove the rule would be Lizalfos where... um, they'll block your, or, uh, Elisalfos wears, um, I'm trying to think of the name for it, but basically they wear armor on their arms, on one of their arms. Mm. Uh, and you'll mm. frequently encounter two together, one wearing, uh, armor on his right arm, one wearing armor on his left arm. Um, and they'll be jumping around you going into different patterns at, at different intervals. Um, And so that's, like, the only time where I really felt there was meaningful counterpoint because uh, I would want to set up the Lizalfos in a certain way where uh, I hit the one that I want to hit and, like, it's meaningful uh, if they're standing with their armor pieces facing each other or their armor pieces facing apart, and so I kind of want to lead them around and get them in a favorable position and uh, if one's blocking, I want to make sure I hit him while the other isn't trying to attack me. Um, I think in general, you could probably just... You could probably write uh, you know a, a decent essay just about how interesting that counterpoint is, but that's really the only time it happens in the game.
0: So, what I was going to get at is that I kind of disagree about the dual nature limiting the design space. Mm-hmm. Well... Well, it's not that I kind of... I do disagree. Because there are moments, as Greg mentioned, and I don't actually think it's the exception. It's just more uncommon because, for whatever reason, they just didn't put them that often in the game. Because there are some standout examples. Like, there's this purple room in the Skykeep temple where there's just a ton of enemies. There's guys standing on these perches shooting arrows at you. Uh, You have your... A bunch of bokoblins in the room and then these skeletons where once you run near them stalfos uh, become animated and then you're fighting stalfos at the same time fighting bokoblin at the same time having bokoblin archers shooting at you and it's like i don't think skyward sword mm-hmm. has a problem with multi enemy encounters i mean what the mm-hmm. first one you have when you land on the ground is you fight five bokoblins at the same time and although some of their ai is like a little questionable where they like just get bored and start walking off i don't know why they do that but that's what they do um we see it in that room in the fight in the horde with the lizalfos uh certain other like very specific uh moments that i remember like there's like um the one where you're delivering the big jar of water and there's just a bunch of enemies that you have to fight along the way that's another one um that's like basically i'm saying I don't think it's as limiting on the design space. I think the one that mm. does make it a bit trickier is the directional guarding, which does more or less force you to aim your strikes more. Although I believe, mm. as Greg noticed, they... What is it, that they're a little sloppier with their guarding when you're not locked on? So, I did some playing around, and I think
2: what it boils down to is um, <clears throat> when you lock onto an enemy... Uh, kind of like Sakura Samurai, actually. When you lock onto an enemy, they're yeah, very polite. Yeah, I was going to
1: say that one too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're very polite and hold up, you know, I've got my butcher knife on my right side, so you got to hit me from my left. Um, but if Link just walks off-center and he puts his butcher knife up in the right place, well, you know, if you're a couple pixels over, you're going to surprise him by hitting him out of a completely stupid... Uh, angle Uh, so it's not that they're sloppy it's more that they're rigid and can't adapt to you screwing around
1: Mm. (laughs) and there's like that sort of that bit of um, freedom I guess in that you can break that you know their rigid uh, behaviors as well I think maybe another example of that is where I was saying before how when you do combat you take your sword out and If you walk, if you're not locked on and you walk past like a bobbukin and then you, and then you quickly lock on and pull your sword out and strike before it's actually in that sort of behavior, you can also get them, uh, catch them off guard there as well. Is that sort of an example of another sort of example of what you mean, Greg?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Hmm. Okay. Um, on the. On the uh, on the purple room, uh, yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a really good. Um, I you know I guess sort of my um, uh, the way I'd slice it is I'd say that the nature of the camera being you know locked on to another enemy and being focused on that one enemy, uh, and the player's ability in that situation to see elements on the periphery, uh-huh. um, and the fact that they also have to respond to what's happening directly in front of them, uh, I guess those uh, you know those aspects limit the potential of the uh, uh, you know of what can be done with that uh, um, with that sort of uh, combat system. Um, in saying that, though, what you've said yeah is absolutely uh, right. But then I think at that point in the game, that's probably about as far as you can take it. Like you probably couldn't put in anything you couldn't probably uh, create such a layered encounter without then uh, negatively affecting the balance of uh, the clarity of gameplay overall
2: yeah adrian you yourself said that um because this is skyward sword enemies aren't polite and will hit you you know will and will backstab you
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. so th- I feel uh, like that's
2: a comment on how the gameplay loses clarity when they try to layer stuff too much
0: I mean you typically see the enemies that you're always about to fight so in the horde when I get hit off the side by the blue bokoblin it's like well yeah it's generally speaking it is your job to so you keep view of the enemies you're fighting another example is Stallmaster when he has these little zombie bokoblins come up uh, it's still mm-hmm. You know your responsibility to, you know, be aware of your surroundings and keep you of the other enemies in the fight. Okay, that the enemies can hit you behind the back. I don't think is a an example of how the design space is more limited. I'm, I'm I think that's just par for the course because the same holds true for the other three Ds Zeldas, minus Ocarina of Time and uh, more. Joe's Mask where they just didn't do that. Uh, but in Wind Waker, you know, you could very easily have an enemy come and hit you in the back, but in, you still just had to, you know, deal with it. Uh, mm. Even with the camera being much, I don't want to say looser, but it's uh, not quite as behind your back as it is in Skyward Sword, but that aspect was still there. Of There are still enemies off screen, you know, you still have to play with that in mind. And it's the same true with even a top-down Zelda. It's like, yeah, an enemy can still be off-screen. Uh, and you still have to keep aware of them. I mean, the clarity mm-hmm. is, is, of course, you know, still there because it's top-down, but it the screen can only show so much going on at one time. So enemies being off the screen, to me, is just not a big
1: deal. I mean, I guess, I guess Skyward Sword... Skyward Swords uh, combat challenges are designed such that they um, it never really is well. Enemies being off screen never really becomes a problem anyway. Like if we look at the at um, uh, the Bobakins, uh, you know, they if they are, uh, if there are several of them at once, it's not like they just sort of spread and move around like they all sort of circle you they all sort of stand just to the left or the right of each other it's not like they you know three or four let's say two or three of them you know sort of sneak behind you or anything like that like they all sort of work in a way that there's a half circle around you that you can uh, orientate in so um yeah i guess um i guess it's not really a problem in Skyward Sword because it's um, the layering and the positioning of enemies um, isn't tuned in a way that it would be problematic, whereas another action game, you know, it's it's uh, it's not as uh, uh, well tuned and clean.
0: Yeah, I guess um, another point that I would add is that even if they did do that where they would Mm -hmm. like literally try to swarm and get around you behind your back. Um, You could still see it because I mean, there is still that little bit of camera space to where you see an enemy come in because that's how the, so again, they can still tune it right because that's how the zombie Bokoblin were tuned to where you can see just a little bit, not just a little bit, you can see them get in the camera behind you just before they do their grab animation. So uh, even enemies coming at you behind your back if tuned, like, the way they did with that enemy, you know, still not that, uh... not that big a deal.
1: Yeah, sure. I think... The other thing, too, is that it's not, like, uh, the gameplay or the game speed isn't that, like, fast as well. Like, yeah. it's, um, it's sort of, it's slow enough that you can manage, um, the things that are around you.
0: Yeah. The Bokoblins are generally enemies that, um... They do not attack very frequently, they, I mean, they still attack, but they're never going to, it's like you'll never encounter a moment where three of them are attacking at the same time in different directions, that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. The game is still tuned to keep that from happening, which to me is the thing you really want to be more concerned with is enemies just putting you in straight up impossible situations that aren't like you backed up against the wall. If that's one thing, but if it's just like, I'm just fighting these guys and I got put into space that I couldn't get out of, and that's when it becomes a real problem.
1: Should we uh, choose our favorite enemy? Because I think, I think at this point, like we're just sort of talking about degrees of clarity, so or degrees of design space. Um, uh, there
0: was one thing that I had left. Uh-huh. <laughs> so <laughs> the one thing that I had left was that um, it could be possible that because of you know those issues where they still didn't want that to happen again, that that's why they had enemies set up more by themselves and kept those moments where they layered them much less frequent. Uh, I still think that the moments like in the purple room like less because because I mean when you first encounter that, it's, that's a pretty like intense room that I died several times just trying to get through. Um, but those moments could have still been just peppered out throughout the game to where your only multi-enemy encounters aren't just Boca blends with other Bokoblins, it could be Boca Blends with Keese, Boca Bokoblins with Beemos. Bokoblins with an Armos, Bokoblins with a Bokoblins that throws a bomb, Bokoblins that throw Bokoblins with a slingshot, Bokoblins with, you know, Deku Babas or whatever, or Moblins with Lizalfos. You could have had all sorts of variations that literally just don't exist in the game. Like that last one I just listed right there, never happens. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's because it would have played oddly, I just think it's because they, I don't know, it, it just feels like they kind of... Um,
1: it's sort of like they didn't realize that until too late.
0: Yeah, it's they didn't realize that till too late, or they never want to make anything too hard, or because mm-hmm. there there is something... I I don't buy that either, because that purple room says that. Oh yeah, we are willing to make it that hard, but it's I just don't mm-hmm. understand it. There are some. Um, <clears throat> uh.
2: Not that this. There's a lot of this, but there are some situations where they uh, offset enemies with I guess quote-unquote environmental challenges um, mm-hmm. there are uh, keys that can curse you in the in the skykeep um, in the room where you're trying to open up water bubbles to create platforms on magma so if you get cursed then you can't use your items to open up Water bubbles Therefore your timing windows get a lot tighter Um, There's also another Setup with the Ampelus The uh, snail enemy Where you kill it and then it creates a platform for you Over the quicksand Uh, There's the only Mm -hmm. two times I can think of but um, It's not just enemy plus enemy Setups, there's also some enemy plus Environment
0: setups
1: Hmm, yeah, that's right. And that goes into the uh, sort of the level enemy variation.
0: Yeah. And Skyward Sword definitely definitely uh, does that quite a bit, as Greg just listed out. I guess to wrap things up with, you know, what I was saying about Skyward Sword is that why I don't think the motion controls necessarily limited to sign space is because the primary action still is just you know, moving around, picking your targets, hitting things, so you can still alleviate that by just not having the directions necessary to slash being too strict. So, while the directional guarding of enemies does uh, can limit it to more of those, you know, one-on-one interactions with maybe a couple of other enemies on the side, um, I still think if they just had a couple more like the Moblins, because it doesn't matter which way you swing. If a Moblin doesn't have a shield, any direction works. And you can get more of those standard enemy setups that you would see in other uh, 3D Zeldas. Anyways, mm. favorite enemies.
1: Mm, no, uh, no, you I, guys I, have comments I, on that? Oh, sorry, I, was, uh, I was just going to say, um, yeah, I think your points, uh, how can I say, um, I really agree with your points, and I feel like I, I need to think a lot more. Um, I have to go back and play it, and you know, to really um, uh, reconsider my stance. I guess. Mm. I mean, I think ultimately what we're talking about is sort of degrees at this point. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for for um, enemies, how about we do this? How about we choose? We can choose either favorite enemy, favorite boss, or favorite setup. Because Ooh, we're talking that's a good about one. some lane situations.
0: Yeah. I, I, Oh, man, it's so easy for me to pick up, like, three of each category.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, I might go first because I'm already talking. So uh, I reckon probably my... I'll, I'll just choose two. Um, I reckon the Dreadfuse and Squirvo um, and the Starfoss, like, all of those one-on-one um, sword fighting encounters in a limited space, probably Dreadfuse, I think, is my favorite. Um, because it's on like you're pretty much walking the plank, I guess you'd say, um, and that your movement range is very narrow and it just it's it's highly focused. And I like the mix-ups and it's very, I guess, for me as a player, I really like um, uh, the sort of uh, not stricter challenges, but the very um, challenges that are extremely clear and explicit. Um, and so I quite enjoyed that and as I said before, I liked uh, Klocktus, um as a boss battle because it with all the bits flying everywhere, it feels very dynamic and I love the use. I felt that they could have made better use of the whip in general combat environments, like it kind of reminded me of um of the grapple in uh, Metroid Prime 3, and although that wasn't used quite. Like, it wasn't used all the time. Like, it was used to, say, rip off enemy shields and, and things like that. And I'm a bit disappointed that Skyward Sword didn't make better use of that um, that mechanic. But in Colloctus I thought it was used very well. So they're my favorite too.
0: Yeah, now that you bring that up, uh, I don't think we can get into it here because we could probably have one on items since we've already been talking for an hour and a half. <laughs> But yeah, I did too notice that um the whip was a little underwhelming. It was not as uh useful as I thought it was going to be. Greg, favorites.
2: Um <clears throat> Well uh I mean my favorite enemy and my favorite setup uh I already mentioned is the Lizzelfos plus Lizzelfos. Um just because uh, I think that really hit that sweet spot for me where um, in some rooms, like in the in the purple room in the Skykeep, uh, it was just too much going on for me to really... Um, if you imagine that that uh, graph of flow, that was in the uh, upper portion where it was too much going on and I was just frustrated. Um, <laughs> whereas... With the Lizalfos, it was just interesting enough that, like, uh, I had a, a good understanding of each individual's um, behaviors, and so there's that... uh um, Whenever I was focusing on one, some part of me was still thinking about what the other one might be doing, uh, and I was still trying to figure out, like, how, uh, how to get them to do what I want. Um, yeah, so... I think the Lizalfos in particular just hit that sweet spot, uh, especially when the two of them were layered together. Um, <clears throat> my favorite boss uh, would, well, I already talked about the Molderock, so uh, my second favorite boss <laughs> would be um, the final Ghirahim fight. And uh, Wait, just would, because... Which Ghirahim fight? The final one. Oh okay okay. Just because uh his earlier fights are interesting because you have to um he'll read where you have the sword placed and block um, so you kind of have to maneuver your sword away from his hand before you can strike back. Um and so that's a I thought that was a uh, interesting way of implementing the directional sword play. But the final gear, um, takes it in a less strict direction where, um, he'll have very clear openings. Uh, For instance, when he's doing the deadly plunge or whatever, um, he just, you know, he holds up uh, two purple balls and says, okay, you can't use any vertical slashes, otherwise i'm going to hit you but you're free to use anything horizontal um and then there's the phase where he holds up his sword and you have to like chop it away um which is more or less the same thing just with a different um just with a different cue, visual cue um because you need to slash adjacent to his sword um so anyway the gist of it is uh I liked that the final Gearheim fight um, made me use my sword in different directions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, I guess now it's my turn. Favorite boss, you probably already guessed, is Demise. I just loved that uh, epic sword fight uh, with him and just also just how fast you can uh, take him on as well as the the interplay you can have with him when he when introduced the lightning skyward strike in there my favorite setup as you can guess was the purple room because you go through those two uh, iron shield moblins and then you go through the room with the skeletons all around with the archer bokoblins and the stalfos and the regular bokoblins and i thought that was really cool a close second is the horde but the surprising one is my favorite enemy. It's a Skeltila.
1: Oh, okay, cool.
0: Yeah, because it is an example where you really get a f- the get to see the uniqueness of the sword because it's a physics-based enemy where the direction of the swing impacts how it starts swinging around. And if you start spinning him, how you can still stab his weak point as he's spinning around, which is such a unique dynamic, interesting challenge that you could not get with the standard swing, not even in Breath of the Wild, which goes crazy with the physics. You still could not get that kind of interaction in that game, not without motion controls. So hands down, Scultula, just him holding just him on the little web bouncing around. Awesome. A And of course he's still an interesting enemy in the ground because you could still knock him around like he's a ball.
2: Oh yeah, you can flip him over too.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's real, yeah, wow. uh, it has real uh, dimensionality that fight um, and it, it sort of reminds me how like in Mario Galaxy like when you're uh, pointing at the screen and then you're sort of shooting something into the screen, how like it's moving into the screen but in this sense it feels like you're when it's sort of swinging back, and, I mean not just like left and right but into and away from the uh, from Link, it And then you then attack it, it's almost like you're reaching into the screen.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I guess second place would be that cactus. Because it can actually, it'll hurt you, but it's another, like, physical... I mean, that should have been an enemy. (laughs) Like a little Wobbuffet-looking enemy or something, where it just... uh, You swing the sword and it bounces around like that. Uh, Those cactuses were fun. I miss those cactuses.
1: So what cactus? You mean the... uh, What, the froke?
0: Nope, I do actually mean the cactuses in Nehru Desert. Like uh <clears throat> Oh, okay, yeah. yeah know let me know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. they do <laughs> yeah. They swing yeah. around like a upside-down pendulum when you hit them. <laughs> it's awesome.
1: I think you can actually use the whip on them to whip out like a heart from the flower.
0: I... I might have stumbled upon that, but I did not know that. I would always have to hit them, and then when they came all the way down, hit the flower with my sword to get the heart out of it. I didn't know you could do that.
1: Mm, I think you can. Um, Well, at least you can use the uh, uh, the bow and arrow and and shoot it.
0: Anyways, this was a uh, uh, unexpectedly long conversation just about the combat and Skyward Sword and even getting a little bit into the core of action games. So next time, planning to get uh, talking on level design. Uh, As usual, thank you both for joining me. No troubles? Yeah, my pleasure.
1: It's been good. Nice.